We're glad you joined us today. We know the road may feel isolating, but we are here to go along this journey with you and love the call to action. Rock Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We're going to join together and chat about all things military life. So you know the drill. Rock Up Buttercup. Hey friends, welcome back to the Rock Up Buttercup podcast. We've been going on for months now, and I'm so excited that next our next episode that is going to come out in November will be our 20th episode. So you'll have to make sure you come and listen to that one because I think we're going to have a giveaway. But today I'm back with Ashley, and we have one of our coordinators for Fort Still here with us. We have Amanda Hughes. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. So we'll kind of start off with just to kind of let you give everybody a brief on what Fort Still is doing, just to let you give a chance to see what has been going on with Deployed Love at the Fort Still base. Yes. So um, since we're new, we kind of just started in this in May, March, May. Uh, yep. But we have been doing some rock painting. Um, we have a rock snake out on base, which we've gotten some more local mom groups to join in on the fun. We have been doing coffee meetups and we also have our hip fit that we've been doing virtually or in person. And I believe this month we're actually going to make it a Halloween theme. So it'll be fun. Maybe like a, I don't know, we were trying to go with like thriller from Michael Jackson in a way, but an 80s zombie thing. So yes, we're going to get that started and start posting about that too. But I should have loved that. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it would be great because we had to miss last month because our instructor was sick. And I thought, why don't we just do a fun Halloween theme with it all? So um, all I think about is, have you heard, what's her name? She's a British comedian and she does all these like Pamela Pepkin. Oh yeah, um, videos, and that's all I can think of when you said that. I was like, "Oh my god, someone please video this because it's going to be epic." <laughs> yes, so that is our plan with that, and I'm going to start posting everything for that this week. And we're going to do some pumpkin painting, and of course, our holiday minis are coming up on November sixth. So, which is crazy to me to think that that's the last batch of holiday minis are on November 6th of all of ours. And so that's less than a month away. It's coming up so fast. Yes. And we probably would have done it early, but today our high temperature was 97 degrees. So I'm glad we waited till November 6th to do these, to make it feel a little more like fall out here. Yeah. I think all of our bases that are in the South-ish region (laughs) definitely are the ones that are all on November 6th because even then, we've had ours around that same date for the last five years at Fort Bragg. And it's still like in the mornings, you're freezing with the beanie on and the coat. And then by the midday, you're like, oh, my God, I need less clothing. Yeah, last year was hot last year. And we always go back and forth on whether we want to do short sleeve or long sleeve t-shirts for our volunteers. And we're like, nope, short sleeve, because it's probably going to be still 85 degrees. Yes, it's like 50 in the morning here, but then it gets up to 97 and I don't, this is supposed to be our last heat wave today. So we'll see. I don't believe it, but we'll see. Bring on the fall. Yes. (laughs) Well, we've enjoyed having you on our team this last year and we're looking forward to seeing how those holiday minis come out. But we brought you on also because we wanted to kind of let people see the faces of our organization and why we you know, why we all volunteer because we're all military spouses or have been and want to bring that community to wherever we live and make sure that those spouses, no spouses left behind so that there's always someone there to support you. So we just wanted to kind of hear the stories of our spouses and see where your story began. Um, We can go ahead and start like where you met your husband and then. Yeah, we can start there. Uh, hmm. I'm originally from Alabama and my husband is from upstate New York, like hour and a half from Fort Drum. So I pretty much say he's Canadian. He doesn't believe me, but he has a Canadian accent and so does his entire family. And my brother, who is actually 18, 19 years retired out of the army, they have 
found their forever state in Kansas outside Fort Riley and offered me to come move out there to try new things. Little did I know I was going to meet my husband and become a part of the whole military um, lifestyle. But I met my husband at a bowling alley in Manhattan, Kansas, which is like 20 minutes outside Fort Riley. And pretty much we got married. We met April 16th and we were married at the courthouse there by May 29th. Um, Very fast, but we just kind of knew we're going on tomorrow is our actual big wedding anniversary. So we're going on six years now, but yes. And yeah, we started from there and it was interesting. I lived, we lived in my brother's rental house for a little bit because we both really had nothing. He came from the barracks and I had just moved there and my brother was getting a house built. So we got the rental house for a little bit and we ended up getting our very first apartment together. It's tiny tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, I'm pretty sure we could not stand in the kitchen and open the oven at the same time, but it worked. (laughs) Um, And we had our actual big wedding on October 10th and he ended up deploying November 4th after that. But right before he deployed, I found out I was pregnant with our first child on October 24th. And then he left And I went through the whole pregnancy by myself, pretty much. It was hard. I did not move back home with my family because my brother was there. And I ended up having a high-risk pregnancy as well and with preeclampsia. And my husband went to Kuwait. So we call it, it was, he didn't, we actually had a very nice unit at Fort Riley. They wouldn't let him go into Iraq or anything like that because they knew it was the first baby and they were trying to get him home in time in case I did go into labor early, which was very nice of them. And he got back June 4th, actually. And I had our first child on June 23rd. I was there. at Yeah. I say, if that's not the military, you barely get married, they leave. And then you're like stuck dealing with it all on your own. Yes. And he wasn't even supposed to deploy. He actually had just gotten back from a deployment in March prior to us meeting. So he was supposed to go to a non-deployable unit, but they shut down his unit at Fort Riley. So they're just filling in spots in other places. And we didn't know he was going to deploy until I think June before he actually left. So it was one of those things of he wasn't supposed to go anywhere. And then he did. And it just <laughs> happened. Um, I definitely got my feet wet r- while running entering the military lifestyle. Um, but yes. And I had an emergency C-section with my first, but thankfully he was there. And then we moved to Fort Carson the following year around February. And we were at Fort Carson for four years where he also then deployed again to Afghanistan three weeks after our second child was born. So I had a 20 month old and a newborn for a very long nine and a half months. I did go home and live with my parents for a little while for five to six months. And I have to say, I'm not one of those people. It was hard. I loved being around family, but I also, you're surrounded by so many people but you still feel very alone and you'd rather just be in your own home where it reminds you of everything. It was definitely a challenge. Um, That's really a hard decision to make as a spouse, especially when it comes to having young children. I know that there's a lot of spouses when deployments come up, they make that decision to move home because you have the support. But like you're saying, it is really hard. And even I've gotten just back for a month at a time and been around family for a month. Even then, by the end of that, you're kind of like, I have no space to escape. Uh, parenting kind of becomes co-parenting with in-laws or parent, your parents, you just kind of get out of the, the, what is comfortable, I guess. I can see why some people do it. And especially maybe pre-kids doing that, where you get to go back to your, your family and friends. But I, the struggle is definitely real once you have children and making that work. It is. And especially on our kids, it was very hard on our 
firstborn. Um, cause even though he was 20 months old, he turned to while he was deployed, but we still have some lasting effects from doing all of that because of all the changes and him, we still have issues with him telling daddy bye to go to work. We have issues telling family members bye. Um, he has his own security blanket, so which is cars. They have to be toy cars. That's what they are. And then he has to take them everywhere. He still takes them to school. Even after a year of COVID and my husband being home more, he still has to have his little secure thing. Um, so it definitely impacted our kids um, moving back and forth, having so many different figures in his life. And I was, I'll have to say I was one of the, with that deployment, I was maybe out of the norm and it may have not been what some people would do, but I tried to keep as much of a non-male figure around at the time because he was so young and the only really male figure he was around was my own dad, but it helped in a weird sense of the matter that it worked well um, for him. And we did I recorded the day, day or two before my husband left. I had him do a video recording of actually reading to Grayson in his lap. And um, we did like three or four of those. And then I had the book made to where he could hear his dad's voice reading the book to him. And I had pictures everywhere. So if he grabbed my phone or he grabbed the iPad, I made files for just a pictures of him and his dad. And I had the blanket made. I don't know if um, the YMCA still does it, but the YMCA made a free deployment blanket for him and our newborn. So I made it very, I pretty much just gave him a whole dump of his dad, the whole nine months. And it worked. I was fortunate when he came back from that deployment, neither one of our kids cried. Um, they. It was like he hadn't left, but it still we still had our reintegration issues. Oh, too. for sure. Yeah. I would say that's one of the really good ways to do that. And then, you know, in the daddy dolls and everything like that, where they're still seeing their face. And even if they don't have a chance to video call as frequently, some do some video call very frequently, but some may not be able to, but making sure that they realize who dad is at that age is about all you can do. I mean, they don't have the ability to really communicate what they're feeling or what's going on in their minds, but I definitely see that that if you make the effort to make sure they know who dad is when they get back, it's different, but it doesn't change the reintegration because I mean, at that age, they change so much. I mean, for the, they, when he left, he was a baby. I basically, and you come back and he's, you know, probably walking around talking a lot more and things change so much. So the reintegration with little kids is so different every single time because they can mentally and physically grow. I mean, they just change so much and to be a parent that has to be away from that for, you said like nine and a half months is, I can't even, I can't even fathom the changes your kids make in that amount of time. We don't see it because we're there like all day, every day with our kids, but to be able to have to step away for months at a time would be really odd and hard. Yes, it was. I mean, cause yeah, our child, our second was three weeks old when he left. And he left in the middle of the night. We didn't make him get up out of bed because it was going to be too much. So he drove himself to base, but so he left at 1 a.m. in the morning. So we put him to bed that night and then he was gone pretty much. That was what worked best for us. It was the hardest thing, seeing him walk out the door and knowing like, okay, I can't go with him to do the whole goodbye. But we also didn't want our kids to get even more upset baby wouldn't have really cared because he didn't know what was going on. But yeah, our second child, he was our fastest progressor for all milestones. And thankfully he did not start walking until um, my husband got home, like two days after he just started walking. So at least he got to see that one milestone of that first year. Of course, kids go through so many, but I kept telling that my child was like, stop, stop it. Stop it. Just wait a minute. Wait. Um, Cause our first, he was so lazy. He didn't want to do nothing. He'd go to the doctor and just kind of go limp and act like he couldn't do anything. <laughs> but our second was like, no, I have places to go things to do. I don't have time for all of you, but um, 
So that was hard as a spouse. It almost makes you feel guilty in a way because you get to see everything, but then you can't share that experience. Even while being pregnant, you know, I wouldn't let anybody touch my belly and let anybody touch my belly. I wouldn't let them because I didn't want him not to get my husband, not to get those experiences. And I would just keep it all to myself. That's not necessarily the best thing to do, but that's what I would do. And it creates this guilty thing of spouses of we want to enjoy the moment, but then we feel bad because our spouse isn't here and everything else. After that, he got back. Um, I would say reintegration was really difficult after his deployment to Afghanistan. And then at Fort Carson, he spent over 289 days in the field and in training. So it was almost like we had two deployments um, at the same time, which I think was more frustrating because he was right across the road behind a fence and not all the way in a whole other country. And we went through a lot of trials and tribulations. I did have some hard times with all of that. And then we ended up getting pregnant our last time. And I was on 12 weeks of modified bed rest and his unit was semi nice about it and semi not. I did get him pulled out of the field one time because I got put in the hospital and we had family come in then, which was also an experience because they were with us for three to four months on top of trying to tell them how military life was and explain to them that no, my husband can't just come home whenever he pleases. And then COVID hit and it was like, everything just stopped as even in the military world. And he was home a lot more and Then we ended up moving to Fort Sill and he is an AIT instructor here. And I want to say from moving, we dropped a lot from BAH from Fort Carson to here. We took a major, major hit on that. And it's definitely been a struggle. Um, We were talking to other fellow soldiers here and their families. And a lot of us here at Fort Sill are having to go and either maybe sell items on Facebook marketplace, doing whatever we can to make ends meet because we had a lot come from Hawaii, which dropped also in major BAH. And it is nice here, but it has definitely been a struggle financially. And of course, when we first started, when we were married, um, we used to shop at Dollar General for groceries because we couldn't afford anything else. And I remember digging for quarters sometimes in the car so he could just get a drink from the gas station, but definitely struggles all throughout that. But yeah, that's kind of a topic that doesn't get talked about a lot amongst spouses and it really should, because I, you know, there's, there's a bad thought that goes into it that, you know, we, we get married to military people because of the money or because of the benefit. (sighs) But the reality is so far from that. That drives me so insane that people have that thought process because like, honestly, like it's not a lot of money. Like if you really break it down, if you took BAH out and you you broke down the hourly pay, soldiers make the same amount as people at McDonald's. Like it's, it blows my mind that people say that and the BAH thing is a whole separate topic for me. I hate moving from base to base and I hate the way that they have come up with the money, like how much we get every year or how much you get based off of where you live. Because 98% of the time where they take, they look at the comps for that area are in places that you're not supposed to freaking live in. Like they're in the no-go zone, yet that's what they base it off, which is obviously meaning that it's not in the good part of town. So it's not going to be in the comparable rates for uh, rent rent prices. So like, you know, they're saying, oh, there's houses in the area for $800, but in actuality, like it's 1200 for yeah. a decent house and a decent school district and things like that, or more like here, you know, brag, and it goes up to here at brag, like it was blowing our mind. When we first lived here 10 years ago, we could find a decent house in a decent area for $900 a month. Thank God, as a new military, you know, couple, like we could find something in that price range in not a scary area of town. 
we came back here and I'm like, the same house, the same house we live in now rents for $13.50. The places that you can move to that are cheaper, like Sill, Bragg, Hood, like in general living, if you had a normal job, would be cheaper places to live, right? But if you go to Carson and stuff, they base it off of the housing there. So you actually get a decent amount of money where you could actually live in a decent neighborhood. But if those areas, like, I know Hood was one of the ones that's really bad, where the general population doesn't make much money. So they expect you to be able to live off of what the general population makes. And it's like, that's not fair because we had to literally live like, like you were saying, like in the ghetto and it was not safe, but that's what the BAH covered. And we, we had intended to live on base, but because we moved from Germany, they told us we were supposed to be at the top of the list. We get there, they gave our house away like two days before we got there. So then we dropped to the bottom of the list and that would have been months staying in a hotel months. And I was like, there's just no way. And we all know that that ends up being out of your pocket. And I was like, we can't do that. So we had to just pick what was in our BH level and live there. And we ended up in a really bad neighborhood and it wasn't what we wanted to be. And it's unfortunate because even then we'd been in for nine years and the money struggle was still there. Like it doesn't, particularly get better you have the benefits like TRICARE is great and you know that's better it is it really a lot of people have but I was like really and I'm like I'll say it is it really that right. has its own it has its own struggles too I mean it's great that yeah. we have health care like and we don't have to pay for but it still the the reality is if you were to like put all that money and just get the money instead of insurance stuff we would be still making nothing yeah like, yeah and I don't know where people get the idea of, oh, you married him for, for the money. And you're like, what money? Where's the money at? Because I'd um, love to see it. Don't make money. Like until you get to like year 10, like you're stable and you're at the rank where like, okay, but you're still struggling if your spouse isn't working, like depending on your area. And of course, we all know that that is extremely difficult to have a career as a military spouse. So um, yeah, a lot of spouses don't work because they, yeah, it's, it's hard since we got married so fast. <laughs> it was so funny because I remember which she wouldn't even care that I said, say this, but his grandmother, her husband was a retired Navy. I don't remember what all he did, but he was, he retired from the Navy. And I remember listening to her on the phone. She goes, you need to make sure she's not marrying you for your money. And I just am laughing because I was like, yeah, what money? Because I currently was working at the time as a gym at a gym. And I was one of the bosses up at the front running the whole like operational desk. And I was making more than he was at the time. I said, yeah, let me, let me take all that's worth it. Like, let me get all your money. And he said, well, you know, I get TRICARE. I said, yeah, you do. But still and um it was crazy and like Fort Carson they're so hard to get housing I'm not sure how Bragg is and whatnot as well and I'm sure it is because they're bigger towns but I mean the moment a listing would go on there it was gone within an hour and we had to fight and then you know we don't make enough money so we don't have the best credit all the time and then they want outrageous credit scores at certain places on top of almost two months rent up front with the deposit and they don't give you any of the money prior. Now they have changed some of the rules, which we were faced with that with Fort Sill. The people at Carson did not inform my husband. He would have to fill out the paperwork in order to get the advance D, um, DLS. Is that what it is? I forgot the name. It's a moving pay or something, but you can fill out an advance form now, by the way, and you can get it up front instead of after. It's supposed to help with that. Uh, but we didn't get that option, even moving here or to Carson. So it was, we had to take out, unfortunately, we had to take out an Omni loan just to be able to move because we didn't have any of the money because going from Carson or from Riley to Carson, RBAH at Riley was $700. That was what it was. We had an apartment for five thirty-five, so thankfully it was covered. We get to Carson, and I think our first place, the rent was one thousand and forty-five dollars, and we ended up finding it and being able to do all of that. 
and the BAH. But even before we left Carson, at the time, my husband was in, I think he was in E6 by the time we left, but he, um, we were getting $2,221. And that's how much we were getting because the house housing market out there is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And our, we luckily found a place to rent and our rent was only $1,450. But so we got to pocket a lot of that. And you have to pick and choose there because the crime rate's insane also out in Colorado Springs where you don't want to just live anywhere. You don't. And coming to SIL, the BAH for your E6 is 1221 So it was an automatic $1,000 drop. And here they know that the towns outside of Lawton, they, everybody renting and everything, they know all the military people want those um, areas because they have the top schools and they don't have hardly any crime compared to Lawton, which is outside Fort Sill. So all of the rent for what we would need for having three kids was at least $200 over our BAH. So it was either that buy a house or live on base. And that since it was in the middle of the whole pandemic thing, we didn't know if we were going to get a house on base because the back weight for people chose to stay instead of leaving. So they didn't really have all the housing and wait listing. We had to grab pretty much our whole entire family helped us to be able to buy a house. And thankfully we were able to buy a house, but even then it's like you said, we need two incomes, but then how are you supposed to do two incomes if they're always busy? Because no, he doesn't deploy at this unit, but he has constant 24 hour duties. How am I going to find the childcare? You have to redo everything of doing schooling. And if you have internships in your education, oh man, because childcare here that we found was $1,440 for all three of our kids. And we don't even get that in BAH. So we don't have two incomes and we're just trying to make it all work and trying to find all the different resources that we can in order to do that. And the craziest thing to me is here in Oklahoma, we still qualify for WIC. We qualify for the food bank. We qualify qualify for DH as child care support. We qualify for so many things because we are under the poverty line when you take our BAH out, which is the craziest thing for me to wrap my head up. It really shows how little we make. You know, it really shows that if we have to be able to go to WIC, and I've been going to WIC since my kids were born when they were, we were little, and that was in Germany. We got mm-hmm. WIC then because that's how you made ends meet. And even in Germany where I, I don't even know, you don't even really know. I don't think you really know what the BAH is there because you have to live on base. So they could be, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not even, you have no chance to pocket any of that. You have no chance really to have a job as a spouse because unless you work on base and you have like the skill set they need, but there's very limited jobs there because of that too. And that Germany was a struggle. We ended up going down to just one car and I walked everywhere because that's just what we had to do. And there's just so many things and you brought up PCSing and that's also has been, I, I didn't know that they had a form now where you could ask for that money in advance, but if you have to do those PCS on your own, it's hard we ended up having a ton of credit card debt because that was what we paid for our hotel and all that stuff in advance. I mean, yeah, eventually they were supposed to pay you back. And sometimes it doesn't end up being that you get that back for quite some time. So then not only are you paying for that expensive move, but all of a sudden you're also paying for an apartment or wherever you're moving into on top of all of that. Yeah. And, and when PC can like, people are going to say like, well, when PCS military moves you like, yeah, they pay, for a certain percentage of your your home your home goods but and they'll pay for like the flight they'll pay for a flight if you're flying or they'll pay for like up to a certain amount of money but like there still is a lot to come out of it like you know say like you know when we drove from texas to here we drove we drove both our vehicles we had two small kids we could not drive that straight through because we had two small kids. So we had to stop um, at least one night in hotel 
that was, you know, lunch and dinners, you know, even, even with us packing snacks and stuff like that, we still bought things. Uh, thankfully we had family on the way. So we were able to make like the second stop visit family and then move on. But then, you know, yeah. Applications. Like you're not just spending one money on one house application. You spend up to like 300 to $400 on applications because the market's crazy and everyone is trying to get something. So, which that's money you never get back. Then yeah, deposit, then rent. And then sometimes they ask for, for first and last month's rent. And it's crazy. We pay more than what we get for BH here at Fort Bragg. We pay out of pocket for all of our utilities, but we made that choice because we were able to make the amount of years Jamie was in and him knowing that he was coming up on a promotion. I work in knowing that I had some income coming in. Um, we could, we could make it work. So we decided that we would go up. Um, I think it's like, I think it's like 1250 for an E6 here and we pay 1500 for our house currently. And yeah, we probably should buy a house, but like, you never know when you're going to leave again and all that kind of stuff. So we just, you know, we haven't done it yet. Yeah. I, that was our biggest fear of buying a house and just like, okay, we'll do, we do all this and buy a house and are we going to leave? And what are we going to do when we leave? Are we going to sell it? Are we going to rent it out? Are we just going to go under because we don't know? And it definitely is a scary thing. I will say it's the first time we've ever bought a house. So we we're first time homeowners, but we personally like it because I don't have to answer to anybody <laughs> with three toddlers. And if they're going to draw whatever mosaic thing that lights their world up that day on my walls, I'm not freaking out to like, okay, I got to get this off now because I have to get it all whatever. And, and then here, that was the only way we could afford anything because we couldn't afford being on base and them taking all the BAH, which yes, we would have saved money in gas. We would have in some sense, we would have a little extra. And then the rent, um, we couldn't take the whole think an average three bedroom house here because we put our two boys in the same room was around 1300 to 14 and I don't have that second income and we tried I tried to do a job and then childcare was more than what I was making and it wasn't doing uh, yeah the whole thing whole nine yards more stress yeah, it causes more stress and it was, I don't need any more stress in my life. <laughs> so I had to step away from that, but with utilities and everything. And like you said, even just getting your deposits to get your water turned on cable started. Oh yeah. I totally started. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Here at Brack, I think we paid, like when we moved back to Brack, I think we paid at least $350 in deposits just for utilities. Mm-hmm. And it's insane. And I'll never understand why they think we make all this money. I won't, but I understand like when I talk to like my civilian friends, they're like, well, you get free healthcare and they pay for your housing. I was like, yes, I understand that. I mean, it's not technically free healthcare, but yes, it's free in the sense to you, but it's also, uh, is it going to be good at that base or is it going to be bad at that base? You don't know. And I could give you all my horror stories about Fort Carson. Oh, we all have I will them. not. <laughs> yeah, I, said, I will not step foot on the base hospital there. Will not. Here, we don't have a hospital. We don't have a hospital on base. So thankfully, we get referred off and I'm on Prime. So I don't have to worry about Select because I kept Select at Carson. And that's the other thing. If you choose to do Select because the healthcare is not up to par to what you think um, at that military base, Yes, we only have to meet $150 deductible and $1,000 catastrophic. But even then, if we have no little income from certain areas, because most spouses can't work and pay for the child care, especially like younger kids, because I had no idea here they charge different for every age. And the younger they are, the more expensive they are, which I, I get, but I didn't know this. And so it's like, okay, well, better healthcare, am I going to be able to afford all the different stuff with TRICARE Select? And I don't know. So thankfully, Prime here, I always suggest 
anyone comes to Fort Sill, just get Prime because they're going to refer you off base anyway, and you'll get all the other health care and you won't have to worry about paying co-pays. So side note for anyone coming to Sill, but it's just one of those things of it's hard. I mean, we've, yeah, even now we still, we still go to the food bank now because it helps us and we qualify. And I think a lot of it is, is you have to look past in my sense, it's pride. Most people don't want to do some of that because they feel like they shouldn't have to. And I understand that I grew up in that family lifestyle of don't, don't go get handouts, but now they're, they're like, go, go, you need it. You need to go. And, and it's hard on, I know my husband, because he's like, I should be able to make enough to support my family for the fact that I've done eight plus years and went on two combat deployments and one deployment. He went to Kuwait. The other two were not, they were combat ones. And he's, it's a hard thing on him too, because he feels like for all this that he gives, we get so little in return in some sense, and we're struggling to do that. And it's, yeah, money's just not that much fun in the military. So I don't know. And it's, it's so glorified. Like people think that we have all these things, like even buying a house, people are like, well, you get the VA loan. I'm like, yeah, we, we do qualify for a VA loan. You're right. Where we don't have to put anything down. But then the VA loan is such a pain to but it's, it's a pain. Because, and that's one of the reasons why we haven't purchased because the market here in Fayetteville or near around Bragg, people aren't even using VA loans because pe- the, the houses, there's not the, the demand for housing isn't meeting the amount of people here. So people are putting 10 to 15 to $20,000 over the asking price, which a V or not even the asking price, but over the market value, which the VA will not cover. So you're, you're, unless you're going to use a conventional loan, you're SOL, like you just, you, you can't use your VA loan. And, you know, a lot of military soldiers, you know, can't, they don't have the credit. A lot of us or, don't have credit. Like or the savings for a deposit. Or the savings, or, yeah. yeah. Yep. Nope. Yeah. So it is a, there's a lot of great things that come with being a, a military family and, and there's benefits, but they all come with struggles. There's, there's a lot of navigating. There's a lot of endless calls on the phone with insurance and try and doctor's offices and things like that, just to get what you need. It's not as simple as calling and then be like, absolutely. We'll take care of you. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. And it's not talked about as much. It's not talked often. Um, it's not talked so about I, like, what you have to go through. Yeah, when we were talking about this subject, I had done some research to kind of give some some resources because that's what we always like to do on the show is bring you guys some resources to kind of help. It doesn't, obviously it can't increase your income, but there are a lot of resources out there on how to use your income more wisely in order to make ends meet. So you're not as paycheck to paycheck. Um, one of the biggest ones that we've talked about many times on our show is Military One Source. Um, if you need anything that comes with the military, you can always look on there. But they definitely have a lot of budgeting classes. They have a lot of um, financial like places where you can look for financial aid if you need it, um, situations like that. They can also have a really good explanation of how you can get payday loans, basically where you get like your loan, your payday early advanced or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of resources through military one source. And then of course, if you're, um, I think all the different branches of the military have it. I know there's ACS for army MCCS for Marines. I think it's AFAS for the air force, but it's basically the the community services. I'm not sure if the Navy has one. I couldn't figure out what that is called if they do. I'm sure every branch has some type of community service outreach program. Yeah. And so they have financial classes. We've seen some of the, um, at some of the vendor events that Ashley and I go to here at Bragg, they have, they even have the ACS um, finance people come out to those things where they can sit down with you and plan a one-on-one budgeting class. They can sit down and go to your FRG and talk about budgeting and finances and stuff like that. So there's plenty of people out there that want to help you make the ends meet. They, they have a really good idea of what our paychecks look like and where our expenses definitely are and can help you cut out things that you don't need or figure out ways to get things cheaper. Um, because a lot of times we don't think about military discounts. So that you have to think about that kind of stuff can help with a lot of things. And then I know that also through 
I'm not sure if it's through ACS or if it's more through like your chaplain, but you can get the Dave Ramsey classes. I was getting ready to um, say that the, the chaplains, um, they'll even do like strong bond retreats because obviously mm-hmm. finance is a huge factor when it, in, in relationships. It can cause a lot of stress. It can cause a lot of turmoil. So I, I've seen several strong bond retreats that are solely focused around, around finance finances and that they, they do do the Dave Ramsey Program. And Dave Ramsey is great. It's great to, even if you don't follow it step-by-step, step, it's great to just kind of get the knowledge of what he brings off. And I think as a military dependent, you're able to get access to that for free anyways, whether you go through like a program or not, it's something you just have to kind of look up how to get to it. But I think the best resource would probably be your chaplain. They generally have that information to access to that, but for ones, but budgeting. I think that yeah. that's kind of what we learned when we were young because we were in Hawaii and I mean, I'm sure people know that that's a very expensive place to be. And we had just gotten married and we lived on base in a really crappy apartment and literally we're eating like Tostino's pizzas every other day. We just did not have to not eat, you know? Yeah, we did a lot of hamburger helper. <laughs> but it's like, Mm-hmm. And like when like talking about budget, like you both have to do, you both have to agree to a budget too. Like that's the only way a budget's going to work is both parties, both, both sides have to agree to it. If one person says, Hey, I made a budget. This is what we're going to do. It's not going to work. You both have to sit down. You both have to agree on what's going to work for you guys. And it's totally okay. Like for those who are listening, like we've been there, like, like we were just saying, like, I remember us eating ramen noodle all the time. Like it was straight up college life for the first couple of years. And we were so bad too, because like, especially like after deployments, like we had that deployment pay and stuff like that. Like we should have saved it. We should have paid oh, off stuff. So 100% so did not do that. You know, new car, new, new guns. Oh my God. Like the amount of guns that my husband has bought from bonuses and deployment pay and all that kind of stuff like we've all been there and we totally understand like you know we don't get shiny things very often so you do have to treat yourself but you have to also be careful of what you spend it yeah and kind of like okay like hmm, okay we have a deployment coming up we know that this is what we want to get so we should be putting, instead of going to dinners, maybe we should put this aside and then you, we get that piece or whatever, maybe, but both parties have to agree to it. And sometimes it's not always fun. Um, it took us a really long time to figure that out in our household. <laughs> the, the financial fight amongst spouses is mm-hmm. that because it is hard when they are the, the sole provider, they bring in the money. So why shouldn't they get to spend the money? And I think that was one of our biggest fights was well, I should be able to go to the gas station and get soda and energy drinks and everything on the way to work. And that should just be what I get to do. And you're like, well, yeah, up to this amount of money. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, otherwise, then we're cutting into me buying clothes for the kids or, you know, and it is hard. And I, that's kind of like you're talking about that guilt of like not being able to provide and not having the extra money to provide parts of it. And even now it's hard. We've been in for a long time and he has a different type of job. So he gets paid a little more, but it's hard because I'm like, well, I wish I want to go get my nails done and my hair done, but I, I don't want to spend your money. Like I know it's our family's money, but he should be able to spend it. He should go buy the things that he wants to do. And that, that guilt is so hard to deal with. And that's where we always end up starting making a budget, but it's always me who starts the budget. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. I follow and I get mad at him because he's not following. And then you stop following it because he's not following it. Yeah, it's a it's a vicious cycle. And I think yeah. every single one of us has been through it at some point. Yes, and our biggest thing was is him being gone so much, so he has no idea. Like we made an Excel spreadsheet that I used to email him or like share because we have Apple devices, so he knew what was going on, but. I like, yeah, he may hold all those accounts because he has the income. I have all the emails and the passwords set to me because if he goes on a deployment or he's gone to a training, he can't contact any of them. So uh, for the most part, or he has no service out in the middle of the field. I don't know, whatever crazy reason. So then we're the ones, or at least for me, I'm the one sitting here looking at all the money and budgeting it all out. And then 
we have to go to green beans every day. At least Fort Sill does not have green beans. <laughs> Yay. But um, Carson did. And he's a he's a coffee addict. You got to go get coffees all the time. But it's one of those <laughs> things that then you're like, you're telling them, at least for me, you're telling him how to manage his money that he's making, but he doesn't have time to look at the other side. It is. It's like this line of how do we walk this thin line without sounding crazy and then feeling guilty that we don't bring in like some of us don't bring in that income and it's like this well and even saying that like even if you do bring an income you're going to have your struggles like I've worked on and off full-time and I've never made the amount of money he's made I mean I guess we always always kind of included that BAH into that but like I always kind of if I wasn't a military spouse I I would have a career like I would be using my degree to be doing something more than what I've done in the past I've always joked that my resume looks like I googled just some interesting jobs and slapped them on the piece of paper like it doesn't make sense it's all over the place but that's just what I could get like that was the job that I was able to get after weeks and months of looking for jobs and unfortunately that's the case for a lot of military spouses so when they do go and apply for jobs, a lot of times their resume just gets tossed in the trash can because A, their work history is not steady. It's sporadic. It's year here, two years there, maybe three years, maybe only six months. It's so sporadic. So it's just a huge flag for employers. So it, it is a struggle. So like having people who stay home, like it's not because they choose to, some choose to, but some just, some just stay home because they can't afford the childcare working at Target full-time hours. Like that's just not feasible, especially if, if you have more than one child, like childcare costs nowadays is ridiculous. Like, you know, you can pay for childcare hours, but those are only going to be through like 6am to 6pm. So if you work an evening job, you have to pay someone who it's just babysitting. And that's most likely 10 to $15 an hour, which is probably more than what you're making. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very interesting cycle for military families. Like we have so many different things, but we have a lot of struggles that not all, not a lot of other people experience in terms of having to consistently start over career-wise or things or anything like that. Like it's, it's not the same for other people, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's like the conversations I've had with employers about my resume, like thankfully the people I've gotten into some of the jobs based off of contacts that I've had, thank God for those contacts because I would have never gotten my foot into the door because of my work history. And I've also experienced the fact of sometimes it's best not to even say you're a military spouse unless it really comes up in conversation because they don't think you're going to last that long because you leave or other stuff. And that's like with me doing my current internship, I have to do my internship for free. And I'm doing right now I'm doing um, three days a week and I have to drive 35 minutes away from here. So on top of that, I'm there all day having to pay for childcare, pay for gas with no income with it. Living off our, my husband's income income, that isn't hardly anything trying to figure out all of it. And it just, it gets stressful. Cause then that also brings in the whole, which could be for a whole nother topic, but just trying to get our own careers and education while following the military is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I'm getting my master's. I'm technically going to supposed to be getting a dual master's. So two masters have internship for six months, basically working for free and then tack on another six months of internship for free again and think that we're going to survive because we won't, we're barely surviving for me to do that. And we've had, obviously we've had to do a lot of things, but it's so hard to be a military spouse trying to figure out how to get a job, our childcare for the crazy hours that they have. So you can have a job or finish your career and schooling to work around the military and still be able to afford everything. So it is a big struggle. It is a big, I actually lost a job because 
of being a military spouse because not because I was a military spouse, but because I was the only parent that could take off when my kid was sick or pick up from daycare or whatever, whatever it was be. And they knew that going in, like I had that conversation with them. I was like, look, like my husband's in the military. He can't, he can't stay home with the sick kid. Like he can't like, and I'm sure there's some MOSs that have flexibility in the military, but my husband's 11 Bravo. He's in the field all the time. He's deployed. He's, he's work, 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 work. That's all they do. And so I ended up getting let go from a job and it was one of, it was the most devastating thing. I've probably, probably not the most devastating, but it was very devastating to me because I'm the type of person who like when I commit to something, when I work on something, I go all hard. I do the very best I can. I come up with new programs and things like that. And so to get let go because of being out of work too much for their opinion and they weren't, they weren't flexible with me to be able to work from home. And I worked 45 minutes away. I lived 45 minutes. So I commuted 45 minutes for this job and it was horrible. I mean, I, I bawled my eyes out, like having to tell my husband that I lost my job (laughs) because I missed too much work because my kid was sick. You know, I was in a car accident. So I was out for a couple of days because of that. And it just, it, it wasn't fun. And unfortunately that's a very, very common thing for military spouses is, you know, they're the ones that have to put everything on the back burner, um, their career, um, their goals. I, I actually didn't go back and get my master's. I had every intention to get my master's. And I was just like, I'm not paying for school I'm not going to get my master's knowing that my husband was going to be in for 20 years. So thankfully I have a job now with our family business. So like I, I'm able to work from home and I'm able to do these things, but I'm, I'm the very rare person who gets this type of opportunities with military spouse, um, that I can continue doing this job wherever we go, most likely where others are going to continue to struggle. And there's not, there's not any resources out there. I mean, unless you get a GS job where they potentially can transfer to another installation, like it's really not, it's not feasible. It's so hard to have a career. So I totally 100% get why military spouses are just like, I'm not like, I'm fine. Like, I'm like, okay, we need some extra money. I'll babysit or I'll um, sell, you know, we hear the whole, all military spouses are MLM consultants. I totally get it. I was one of them. Like, okay, well, I could probably make a couple extra bucks selling some makeup. Like, cool. Um, yeah, total pyramid scheme. But you know, like, if it gives them a purpose, then it gives them a purpose to try to help contribute. And I really wish people would just sit down and let people do what they need to do to make themselves feel better. But that's just my opinion. I yeah, and the whole school thing, like. I have to be honest, the reason I'm still going, well, one, I can't really, in order to be a counselor, I have to get my master's, but two, we don't have money to pay for my student loans. So the longer I'm in school, I can put them off on deferment. So I may be 90, still trying to get a doctorate's degree so I can keep deferring out these things because we don't have the money to do that. And I've already decided on my tombstone, it's going to say how much I owe the federal government (laughs) for my soul. But that was always... That's why I keep going is because we don't have that money to pay $500 for a student loan payment. And it's since it's master's. Why my credit sucks. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I am still in school because I have finagled the system to where I'm going to be screwed in the end. But right now I'm not paying any. So just one of those big old things that is like uh we can't afford that let me go right back to school and then we'll defer it and here we are again and so yep that's stuff I get it I get it yeah that's and that's the second part is is and especially when you move so often and you and you change jobs or you're out of you're out of jobs for so long that you you get behind on the student loan payments and then that's just destroys your credit like 100% is why my credit is destroyed like I would move and I wouldn't have a job for six to seven months and we couldn't pay my we couldn't pay the three loans that I have that I paid for my undergraduate and you know it it sucks and there really should be a better system on 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 all this but um there's not so we just I guess we just have to (laughs) just deal but um yeah yeah 
I hate, I hate student loans so much. Like, that's another reason why I was like, I can't, like I started my master's program and then I, uh, I took one semester and it just didn't work out. And I was like, mm, I'm just, I'm not going to go. I'm not a, I'm not a virtual learner though. So like, I, I have to be in person. Um, I, I, I do better in in-person. So, um, that's one of the other reasons why I never went back to school because just haven't been near an installation that's had a good enough program that I wanted to do. Well, and that on top of it is childcare too. So yeah, exactly. It, just, it, it all goes back around. But um, I just wanted to tell you that I'm glad that you came on. I think that we really, this is something we hadn't ever talked about on the podcast is finance. And it's something that obviously it doesn't even matter what rank you are. Uh, it's the struggle is still going to be there. And even as you make more money, it, it just changes. The struggle changes to different things that come up that you have to pay for too. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about that. And I will have all the resources in the show notes if you guys need a chance to look through that. Um, just know that you're not alone in that, that it's, it's, it's a struggle that most military spouses go through is how to get from one paycheck to the next paycheck and cover all of the expenses that come in between not even mentioning all the PCS and everything else that throws even more into that. So learning, I think it's, it's always learning. And I think that it takes a lot of time and patience and a lot of relationship to be able to learn that kind of stuff, financial stuff. Yeah. And not, don't be afraid to use those resources. Don't, don't be embarrassed um, to go use WIC or any of the other resources, like a hundred percent do it. Especially like if you're a new mom, like, you don't realize how much those little creatures eat. Like, it's like, go get that free fruit and that milk and those cheese. Um, like just get, go get the things. Like I honestly, like I was one of the spouses who didn't, who didn't use WIC and I wish I did. The amount of milk and, and fruit that my kids eat and that stuff, and you know, fruit's not, cheap so like use use those resources um if you qualify for it um and if you're a new mom and you just have a baby or you're pregnant you qualify for it so no matter what your rank is in the military so make sure that you sign up and take advantage yeah it's definitely worth doing if you pcs while you have WIC, if you do your certification before you leave (laughs) you are able to keep that for another year when you move to the new base and they will not recertify you. So if you're worried about income transfers, because, you know, we came from Carson to Sill, we had just certified our kids before we left Carson. So they were still, they're still good here. Um, If you're worried about the pay difference as to what you might meet in the different States, just get certified before you leave and you're good for at least the year. So that's good to know. Yeah, WIC has gotten a lot easier. I know that when we started doing WIC, it was like the checks and you literally had to get exactly what was on the check, but it's all on cards and stuff now. And a lot of it has changed to become so much easier. And grocery stores are really good about labeling what is WIC. So you're not like, is this the right peanut butter? Is this the right? <laughs> There's an app now that they use, which Alabama two years ago still used the checks and Oklahoma, they use the app, but they don't put your benefits on it but it's still a card. And now you can literally just scan with the app, the items, and it'll tell you WIC or not. So it's gotten, it's a lot better than being embarrassed with a bunch of checks, trying to figure out, match it all up and everything. So they have come I along. Know that, that was why I skipped using my checks a lot of time because it was that like, I'm holding up the whole cash register. I have to make sure this is set in the right order so that it goes with this check. And then this one's in this order. And it used to be a hassle, but it's really not all that bad anymore. And so there's no excuse to not do it. I think it's just worth doing, even if you are making paycheck to paycheck, just fine. Why not have an extra boost of help in there um, paying for some of your stuff? So we kind of like to ask any of our guests as we go to leave the show, um, what is your best advice for another military spouse? Oh, man. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of roll with it in the positive, best positive way you can. I know that's not necessarily advice and it's not easy to do sometimes, but this lifestyle is definitely hard at times, but it has its really good benefits. And it makes, I feel like it makes you realize and appreciate some things that others may not get the chance to do um, with the community and everything. Um, So I kind of just, 
and don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, last little snippet, my child had 104 degree fever. No pharmacy around here is open at night and none of the gas stations carry it. And one of my fellow military spouses who lives two minutes down the road, I texted her at 4 a.m. and she was awake and she put child's Tylenol in the mailbox and let me come get it from her so I could give my kid Tylenol. So never be afraid to ask. Even if you don't know, you haven't seen that spouse in maybe three years, who knows? You PCS, it's always interesting because you kind of pick up where you left off each time. And so just kind of roll with it and don't be afraid to reach out because 90% of us have all been there at some point. So that would be my advice, I guess. <laughs> it's so funny because we all say that. Like every one of us who have been on the podcast have had said something along those lines of just ask. We're always there. The family. That's why we're here. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We will be back with a very different guest for our next show um, for Veterans Day week. So we're excited to have that come up. So just make sure you guys are following along for that. Otherwise, we also have a lot of Academy events and a lot of fun things coming up at all of our local bases. So make sure you're following our website on the calendar should have everything that's coming up at all of our bases. So make sure you're checking that. Um, Otherwise, we will see you guys at the next episode of Brooke Up Buttercup.